Hey everybody, it's Matt. I'm recording this way way before Andy gets here because we agreed to do a podcast at 2.30, but it is 2.51 and he's not here, nor is he texted. But that's not important. What is important is that you guys can get a buy one, get one free. Oh, the phone's ringing. Could it be Andy? It is not Andy. It is a spam call. Anyway... This episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by Ripley's, believe it or not, museum in Hollywood, California. Guys, you know the drill. All you have to do to have a wonderful evening of entertainment at a reasonable price, and I'm talking buy one, get one, is head into the Ripley's, believe it or not, auditorium at Hollywood and Highland, the crossroads of entertainment, and you tell them, hey, I heard about you guys on Star Trek The Next Conversation, and I also heard that after 5.30 p.m., I can buy one, get one. That's a BOGO. And they'll say to you, why, yes, that is accurate. Thank you so much for coming. That'll be $20, sir, or lady, or customer. Think about it. So, guys, please support our sponsor, the Ripley's Blue Art Museum. Head in there. Tell them you heard about us. Heard about them on Star Trek The Next Conversation for a buy one, get one after 5.30 p.m. That is entrance into the auditorium and all the oddities it has to offer. Here is the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek, the next conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. If you are if you listen to the commercial at the beginning of this episode, I will update everyone. It is 3.23 p.m. The commercial? Weird. Andy's gonna have to listen to the podcast to see what I'm talking about. Oh, he he did something when I wasn't here. What's happening? <laughs> I feel so discombobulated. <laughs> Like it's an inside joke, and I'm oh, not in on, God. on my own podcast. You should have seen me on Sunday night in a hotel in New York, fucking angrily recording ads for 700 different things. I had to do all the James Bonding ads by myself because Gorley's in fucking Switzerland. Meanwhile, that. I'm like, hey, I'm in New York. I brought the podcast equipment with me across the country. I mean, Jesus Christ, come on! I, so I'm sitting there. I'm recording. I do the thing. Uh-huh. Then I'm like, oh, shit, I have to do the ad for Star Trek. And then I'm sitting there in the hotel room, and I'm, like, editing and, and uploading these podcasts on hotel Wi-Fi. It was an infuriating evening. Are you sick in addition to being in a salty mood? No, I'm not sick. You sound kind of nasally. No, you're the nasally one. Well, that's my, that's my, my classic, you know quality of voice that uh everyone knows got me that. all those those everyone knows rich that about car ad voiceovers that that will aren't then overdubbed <laughs> this really is all wrong let's get someone else in 
Uh, Matt, should they watch this episode? No. <laughs> don't be stupid, guys. Don't watch this episode. Why Matt would you doesn't do that? like the vengeance factor. I don't. Why would anyone? Tim, warning you guys. He's in a salty mood. I've tried to figure it out. I think part of it is that I, re- I rescheduled yesterday. So I'll take part of the hit. But, uh, you know, I can't take responsibility for the full Matt Myra personality. A lot of that's just uh, just a force of nature. It's upbringing. Yeah. It's Mary. If anyone, Mary, this is on you. Yep. Um, Matt. Yeah. uh, I'm going to take a peek in the Admiral's Club. Oh, boy. I better know which door I have to open here. Just like I'm going to... I just want to annoy the guy who complained about it. So I'll just open the wrong door. That'll be a little coming at both of us this week. Mm, no. Well, that was because it was a ridiculous... Ridiculous podcast last week. Uh, I well, I don't know. A lot of it, were, when I looked at the when I was just when as I was, many people when I was uploading it as were delighted. When I was uploading it and I saw that it was two hours and six minutes or something like that, I was like, "What the fuck did we talk about?" And then when I like skimmed through to find where we start talking about the episode, I was like, "This is insane." You're on the side. Of course, I'm of on the, the people side. that are critiquing us. Is that is that correct? Matt? I always have been, <laughs> and I always will be. I, I think you are all right. You know what? To want what you want from your free podcast, just get over it, everybody. Just That's deal with what we give you. A lot of different sides of this. <laughs> it's really multi-layered. Um, Matt, you're acting they, like a bunch of Ferengis out there. <laughs> how do they? How do these ingrates get into the admiral's? You just club? want more deals, more deals, more latinum. <laughs> Just watch yourselves, guys. Um, Kept Myra's in a I think a uh, there's only one way to get in the Admirals Club, and it's to leave a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, Apple Podcasts, if you will. It's the only one we care about. Edgar XI says, So great, I'm re-listening. For noobs, don't worry. Andy figures out how to use a mic around episode eight. And then he <laughs> says in parentheses, you may have to wait uh, longer for him to get better at sound cues. Um, and then there's the delight of uh, Matt having trouble with sound cues a bit with doors. So there's just it's uh, it's a bumpy road. Enjoy it. Better than a cup of coffee from Lord J Kirby. TNC is my first podcast on Monday mornings and sets the stage for the train wreck that Mondays usually are. My favorite are the inside baseball segments about writer pay and script changes and such. I have listened since episode one and brought in some friends who also love to hate TNG. <laughs> uh, we, we welcome both people who love TNG and people who love to hate it. Uh, I'd convince IT to install iTunes on a government PC just to do this <laughs> review. That's Good amazing. job, Lord Kirby. And for that, you are Admiral Lord J. Kirby. Um, Lord, I mean, I guess you'd go Lord Admiral, right? You want to go with the higher title, Lord first. Admiral? Yeah, that is a question. Somebody asked us who is both in the in the president circle and in the admirals club. Are they an admiral president or president admiral? Guys, I have some shocking news. Just because you're in the president circle doesn't mean you're the president of the federation. Oh, well, this you was can't buy your president. This was a question, so you feel like they're just guests of the president. Oh, I think they're just allowed into this fancier room. Oh, see, I thought that they were president. They, how many presidents can we have? This is a. This is not. Uh, yeah, I thought that is, they were. You know, as as I'm sorry, I don't remember who, who wrote this email uh, or the, wrote this hail, but somebody had said, "Are they just you know? Uh, are are they a bunch of presidents like sitting presidents?" No uh, past presidents. No, um, interesting. So okay, you're not. 
you're not necessarily a president. That's a fascinating term. You're all you're all just um I would say if you catch him on a different day, he might say different. No, I I, I never have thought that. I feel like I've been very clear about the president circle and what it is. Uh-huh. You're just guests of Kurtwood Smith. Uh-huh. Who was obviously was the, president the president of the United Federation of Planets for a couple of movies? Uh-huh. It, was he during the TNG era? It, no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Is he one of the people with the with the bug in him? No, oh, that's no, too bad. He was uh, during the uh, movies of the original series. Anyway, we're getting near the door to the Admirals Club. Well, no, we're at, we're not getting near that door. We're getting near the door of the President's Circle. Well, I know, but we're moving away from the door. <laughs> we, we're moving You're further in, into the Admiral's you Club. You are intentionally creating chaos to aggravate that person. We're moving forward, <laughs> right? So behind us, we've entered in the Admiral's uh-huh. right? Think of it as like 10 forward, right? You know how 10 forward has two doors? You can access it from either corridor. Sure. You're Actually, I didn't know that. Well, you know, it's the front of the ship. It's the very front. You very rarely see section. the other door, though, Yeah, right? you see them. Okay. Andy, come on. You're just not paying attention. No, you're right. just thinking that's a different door. You're just like, okay. oh, it must be the same door, but it's not the same door. So essentially, what we're doing is like we're in 10 forward, a 10 forward-like area in the ship, but we have to move further into it. It's not obviously not the front of the ship because uh-huh. that would just be we'd walk into space to get to the president circle, which we're not doing. So sure. we're just – think of it as like behind the bar is a secret door – Cool. That opens uh, for members of the United Federation of Presidents, President Circle members. Uh huh. Sounds like this. And then it's closed behind, closing behind us. There you go. Oh yeah, and and it's not just synthahol in here. You can get real alcohol. That's gonna be gotta be real annoying to have that theme play every time someone comes into the president's circle. Well, there aren't there many people out in, so it doesn't play all that often. That's true. Theo Titus sent us seven dollars and said, "Hi, Matt and Andy. Great show. It's really grown on me. <laughs> That's an interesting way to start. Uh, quick shout out to my brother Nate in Managua." Am I pronouncing that correctly? I don't know. I can't read it. M-A-N-A-G-U-A. Sure. Who I introduced to the show as well. I hope he hears this. Listening to The Enemy right now. Excited as it's one of my favorites. James Cliss sent us $17.01. And he said, I don't have iTunes, so I'm not in the Admirals Club. Can I do a site-to-site transport into the President's Circle? You certainly can, sir. That takes a lot of energy and data. No, oh, he's he's not even letting you do a site to say transport. But you know what? However you got there, you're in the president circle. I can't call you President Cliss anymore because that power has been stripped from me. No, you're not a president. You're a visiting dignitary. Look, you know what I say? I say that one of these people in the president circle are clearly hooked up. They got a lot of power. They probably have access to a lot of funds. And maybe they have ties with Russia. You know, who knows? Uh, maybe they will become president. You never know. Anything can happen here, everybody. Everything. Wait, no. Anything can happen. Um. Anyway, that's the uh, that's all we got for the president circle. Wow. So you know we're gonna have to walk back out the door like this. <laughs> Say hello. Hi. How are you? Yes. Thank you. Oh no. Good for you. To- thank you. I agree. Okay. Yes. Thanks. All right. Bye. Boy, it is, it's tough in there. And 
So, so many needy people in that admirals club. Well, there's a lot of those. They're admirals, though, right? Or are they also just hanging out in the admirals club? No, no, they're admirals. <laughs> okay, so you do get your admiralty. It's interesting. It's sort of a lesser. It's a lesser reward to be to be in the president circle. Well, not all admirals are allowed in the president circle. I don't know if I agree with this. I feel like we're going to have to discuss this. I think this has got to be put to a vote. Who are, who is Congress in the future? Who is Congress? Well, there's you know delegates from all member Federation member planets. The Federation, yes. I think we got to put this to a vote in the Federation. Well, from all I the member planets, I have the last vote in the Federation. I don't like this. Captain, we are being hailed. All right, uh, our first hail, uh, which I uh, I wasn't going to read, and then I uh, I thought it was apropos. Uh, Drew Defonso Marks, friend of the podcast, says the MVC is Matt's therapist. Um, and he says, hi, Andy. Episode 54, The Enemy, Matt uh, was more than his usual cur- curmudgeonly cranky self, even cut listening to voice hails so he could leave the episode and get to therapy. What a session it must have been. Episode 55 with post-therapy, Matt, he is, totally, is a totally different host. He's pushing silly sound effects around for 45 minutes making goofy jokes it was a delight all episodes should be post-therapy matt i'm sure it's a scheduling nightmare matt's therapist at the mvc uh i think he'd be very happy to hear that i'll let him know but you know you know what it's like guys you do a podcast with andy you never know when it's gonna start here we go that's the that's the hard part here is scheduling your life around andy i will not be blamed you know what andy hates most uh, about the writer life it's never knowing when he's leaving so what he likes to do is reverse that on podcasts, and we never know when they're starting. That actually may be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, Romulans and medical consent from Eric Worrell. Hi, Matt and Andy. Uh, now, I'm just a 10-year uh, emergency room nurse in Canada and have no idea how laws and ethics will change by the 24th century. You guys <laughs> raised a good question about the Romulan consenting to let Worf transfuse his ribosomes. Um, consent is integral to any procedure in healthcare, be it transfusion surgery or applying a Band-Aid. Often this consent is implied, especially for minor procedures, but if a patient explicitly says so, then the procedure can't be performed. Um, uh, uh, this Romulan, though, uh, there are cases where this isn't... Uh, we, we can try to convince them otherwise, but cannot force it upon them. There are cases where this isn't the case. For example, if the patient is unable to make an informed decision, if they're confused, disoriented, unconscious... Romulan didn't seem to be the case. So in my opinion, you're right. The whole issue was moot as Romulan said no to the transfusion, and Worf actually has the ethical high ground over Crusher and Picard in this case. Love Worf having some sort of high ground. Um, Hey, Matt and Andy. Or as we know, is the only way to never lose a lightsaber battle. Get that high ground. That's true. I wonder if that's valid. Is that based on any actual sword fighting information? Oh, Andy, come on. Get with the internet, man. It's one of the best memes going about the prequels. Oh, I don't even know that. <laughs> Jeez. I'm not a meme. I don't know meme. Well, Andy doesn't actually go on the internet. I'm not meme proficient. Although he goes on Twitter. And what he does on Twitter is he replies to all of you. Because uh, he's a very good uh, and, and congenial uh, host of this podcast. But what annoys me is that I... Beca- once Andy engages and I'm tagged in something, then I see it. And I try to avoid Twitter like the plague. Well, you don't have to look at Twitter. 
I don't. And, and but then like when something pops up and then it's always like, what did he do? Or so on, like some sort of thing where I'm like, clearly they're talking about something I said. <laughs> so then it's like, what the fuck is happening? So then I got to hop over there and see what see, I will say. See which of you I opened up, did not enjoy me. I opened myself up to uh, to a very to a multi tweeted critique of my of my uh, my uh, my meager abilities on this podcast. And Matt was very nice. In uh, kind of stepping in and uh, sharing some contrary uh, perspectives on the issue. Well, I, I just never thought, I thought was very, I never thought you were nice. saying I, I'm correct, right? You say disengage because you're disengaging the podcast. Oh, 100%. you're turning off the engines of the podcast. Yeah, no, it's, I'm saying disengage from the podcast to the audience. Yeah, it's Ooh, not like you're talking on. to a fictional transporter chief. <laughs> this is my problem with some of the audience. <laughs> yeah, and if that's really that bothering you, me hard if that's that. bothering you, come on. <laughs> go go listen to another Star Trek podcast that that probably uh, doesn't mix their metaphors. I feel like uh, all perspectives are welcome in the podcast. Is my feeling? Well, uh, you know what? I critical just or otherwise? I don't like negativity. <laughs> That's so ironic. I <laughs> based on the, the core of your being. <laughs> um, here, a woman's perspective. I'm on a the gentle price. soul. You are gentle. Who gets angry very quickly. <laughs> you are a very dark and negative gentle soul. A woman's perspective on the price from Sherry W. Hello, Matt and Andy. I actually enjoyed the stretching room scene. The This is ref- in reference to uh, In the Price. Um, the scene where Beverly and, uh, mm-hmm. and Troy are stretching, which we both found very odd, to say the least. The BFF scenes between Beverly and I Deanna, tried to defend it. Oh, they that needed, is true. I found it odd. You defended it. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, uh, Sherry's on your side. The BFF scenes between Beverly and Deanna are just as much fun to me as the protocol scenes. Wow, you guys should get together with this lady if uh, if things don't work out with your wife. Um, it's a glimpse of daily life of women aboard the ship. Let's not forget stretching aerobics was very, quote, in at the time of airing. For Troy fans, I think this is the first time we see her signature love for chocolate that carries through the entirety of the series. I think that's incorrect. I think she's mentioned chocolate before. Nonetheless. I agree. <laughs> the hair rustling scene... He can't let it go. I'm just saying, I'm proud of the fact that I have information, actually, about this uh, this show, that I could do my own nitpicking. Um, I agree the hair rustling scene was odd. My first reaction was that it was very sexist and creepy. I do wish TNG had more forward-thinking feminism on the show. What I disliked more was uh, using Deanna as a pawn in Rawl and Riker's tete-a-tete and ten-forward, uh, affirming Rawl's slimeball character. I think that's valid. I am most surprised uh, Andy's theory of Troy's not being a real telepath never came up. Oh, that's interesting. We'd never bring it up. Do you think Zep supports or detracts from that theory? Absolutely supports it. She couldn't figure out what was going on with the dude. And they sort of put it on something about Betazoids reading each other? Was that the issue? Uh, they had some sort of uh, throwaway line. Whatever the case, the MVP was Deanna Troy. It's her episode. Troy spoke out uh, to uphold a my- higher morality. I think I believe we said it was Riker because of Riker's failure to win the negotiation. <laughs> Was was saved the Enterprise from being indebted. For it this, was a uh, series of pointless uh, yeah. volleys back and forth. Many people did bring up, and I apologize, I'm not referencing you all directly. That uh, that wormhole actually still would have been useful, even if it was unstable for some research purposes. And I thought that was valid. 
Anyway, um, I object Riker does more by failing than Troy does by coming forward to expose Rawl. Um, love the show. Love the pod. Keep up the great work. Thanks. It says, actually said, thank Sherry Wellington. So she's saying we should thank Sherry Wellington. And you know what? Thank you, Sherry Wellington, for a very thoughtful email. <laughs> so, you're so critical of everybody. <laughs> Lenny. Uh, Klopchen, what a great name, writes, Hey guys, big fan of the podcast. In reference to this week's episode, I believe the reference Andy couldn't recall is from the Simpsons episode of Missionary Impossible. There were a lot of people who had theories about what we were trying to come up with. If you listen to the end, after I say disengage, Matt beams back in and uh, and has the, 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 the half-court shot at the buzzer coming up with it it was Hans Gruber from Die Hard that I kept trying to think of Um, but FYI for your reference here is the uh, Simpsons quote that many people sent to us oh god 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 Um, that's Hmm. one yeah and then uh, let's see Uh, I think it was Matthew Scrivens no, it's 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 a mystery. We'll never know. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, well, whoever it is, uh, another person sent. I apologize, sir. Uh, another person sent in um, um, Ryan O'Neill from uh, from. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna play the thing. In the oh meantime, figure God. it out. Oh man. It was Scott. It was Matt Scott Ryan Royer from what? That was Scott Royer who sent it to us, and it was um, Ryan O'Neill and Tough Guys Don't Dance. Oh, of course, that's what we were thinking of. Tough Guys Don't Dance, which was a Norman Mailer directed uh, movie. Oddly, <laughs> um, that's crazy. Okay, so here's some protocol coming at you. Jordy versus Data, Rank versus Billet from Eric DiGiorgi. In response to the question about who is in would be in charge of uh, the away mission, because um, Jordy uh, bosses around Data, says we're getting out of here. Um, in the military, uh, individuals carry a rank and often a billet. Am I pronouncing that correctly? L L E T. Rank is something like a sergeant, lieutenant, or in this case. Lieutenant Commander, a billet is a specific position held by the individual. Examples would be squad leader or company commander. On the Enterprise, uh, second officer and chief engineer are Data and Geordi's billets, respectively. When two people have the same rank, you revert to billet to determine who is in charge. Um, However, this might change on an away mission. When I was deployed as a Marine Corporal, I... uh, Thank you for your service. I frequently led patrols of a dozen or two Marines. As a patrol leader, it was not uncommon to have more senior Marines in my patrol. patrol. For example, when escorting a senior officer into a hostile area to meet with local leaders. Uh, In cases like this, I would provide mission briefings, ensure readiness, and in the case of an ambush or other unplanned event... Ooh, I wonder if he was in an ambush. ...would be in charge of directing how our patrol responded... In the case of the away mission, through the wormhole, I'm guessing whoever was the mission or patrol leader would technically be in charge. So while Jordy is less senior to Data on the ship, he could have commanded the away mission. Hope this helps. Thank you, Eric D. 
Um, I thought that was a cool one. Helps prove me right, Eric. Thanks so much. <laughs> I don't remember who had what side of that, but I'm sure I was being reasonable about it. Helps prove me right. Okay, then uh, I have a few. Oh, I have one. Eh, screw it. Uh, I have uh, I have a few uh, prime correctives. And uh, I'm going to play the fancy ending prime corrective with Riker's Bone, because we rarely do. Time for retrospectives. Truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective, because Mad Mandy got it wrong. It's Riker playing at the end. <laughs> or so we were meant to believe. Sigh. Come on, Andy. Ken Campbell writes. Patton was directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, not Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola wrote the script, which got him an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, along with co-writer Edmund North. I had this in my brain. I am ashamed that I um, that I did not recall it when I brought this up. Uh, so my apologies to the cinephiles out there. Uh, you are correct. Other people corrected me, too. Hans Hillen corrects... Uh, Hi, Andy. You probably have been hit over the head with this already by other listeners, but you left open a serious gap when listing other parts that the talented Andreas Katsoulis, Commander Tomlick, is known for. Um, and uh, um, I apparently we got in such a side issue about Babylon 5 and your dislike for anything non-Trek. Uh, a refusal to watch anything. Oh, fair Trek. enough. There you go. Um, that I never even said the name Andreas Katsoulis. And then somebody else was uh, was uh, really came down hard on me for uh, not pronouncing the character's name Ambassador Jakar as opposed to Gukar in Babylon Five. So my apologies. Um, haven't watched the show. A lot of people. Oh, and then Dustin Carnahan added uh, that he was also the uh, one armed man in the Fugitive movie. Um, um, a lot of people said they love Babylon Five. Some people came on strong even for Farscape. And uh, and then a couple of people even mentioned um what's the uh what's the the a sequest? Oh I love Sequest. You were a Sequest fan, I but love, not a Babylon Five fan. I love Sequest. Is that just the Roy Scheider undersea connection? I mean it's that's part of it, but Sequest is fucking Star Trek in the ocean. Uh-huh. Sequest. I also enjoyed Earth 2. NBC had a late run of sci-fi in the mid-90s that was very good. Oh, wait. Which one was Earth 2? I'm thinking of Otherworld. Did you ever see Otherworld? No. Where did Otherworld come from? That was a, one where a family was kind of like a lost in space, except a family goes to an alternate dimension that had a weird, oppressive regime, which I thought was really good. But possibly I just had a crush on Jonah Lee, who was the teenage girl in it. Um, Andy uh, often only likes things based on whether or not he has a crush on them. That's valid. Uh, uh, but Earth 2 was actually a show that had... Um, it was on NBC, and it was literally about the colonization of another Earth. That was... Uh, it was, uh, you know, not super hospitable, but they tried. What year was that? 90, let's see. It aired for one season, 21 episodes, 1994 to 1995. I think I saw some more Earth 2. I think I enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed Earth 2. But I also, I really enjoyed Sequest. 
A last adjustment from Darnell Smith is about B5. Scuttlebutt was that the creator of the series, J. Michael Straczynski, uh, pitched the series about aliens meeting on a space station to Paramount, who passed on it, but later mysteriously came up with a similar show, Deep Space Nine. So apparently there was some bad blood between the shows. Between uh, Babylon 5 and... No, wait. Between what show? Deep Space Nine and the, and Babylon Five. That right. the idea was that they stole the uh, the concept from J. Michael Straczynski. Even oh my though. God! No one would ever think of basing a space show on a space station. Uh, you Way know to what? go, J. Michael Traczynski. I hope you pick up your genius medal for your 150,000 scripts you wrote for Babylon 5, a very a popular syndicated space show. Bull crap. Way to go, buddy. Yeah, everybody has the idea, but it's if you come up with it because the other guy said, hey, I want to do a superhero. I, you know what? I think Iron Man should be reinvented. And then you go, no, thank you. And then you go, I think we should reinvent Iron Man. Then... You, you know what? The other guy came up with it. You didn't come up with it. But what about the 2006 Iron Man animated show that came out before the movie? Oh, interesting. I mean... Was that good? It's Marvel. Come on. They can do whatever they want. Was it good? You can't come up to start. Wait a minute. Wasn't like, that one of those terrible CG cartoons? None of them are good. <laughs> well, then it, it did nothing. It didn't reinvent anything. Anyway. Uh, Clay D. Collins writes us... Uh, at the end of Booby Trap, I believe you stated the Enterprise only destroyed the battle cruiser. Watch again. Mr. War fires a torpedo spread that destroys the ship, but also a few surrounding asteroids that presumably held traps. Love the show. Got to keep you honest. Clay from Tyler. If Texas. they destroy no, because the, those, they would have <laughs> absorbed the energy of the torpedoes. They wouldn't have. Done saying, they would have become more powerful and released more radiation. I think he just blew up the ship so that they would have no no trap reason to go in there well then the trap is still there well i mean i'm sure they would have left a beacon like when you know when they left that planet that had that uh, disease they were like we better leave this the generators beacon. of the trap themselves were protected so that you couldn't fire on them because they would just absorb the energy the the generators themselves yeah they worked off of energy uh-huh they would just release deadly radiation. The more so you're saying there got. was an explosion. We're looking at an explosion, but it actually would not have destroyed the. Uh, That's the, what I'm the saying. Trap itself. All right, you have been, you've been contested, and uh, that means it's time for. You don't have to find it. Mass standard defense. <laughs> um. All right, and now we're done. Guys, can you believe it? That was only 30 minutes this time. Uh, I'm sorry. Here we go. Now, Andy, Twitter guy doesn't care what song was number one, and I have to disagree with him because I care. It's time to talk about what episode is this? The Enemy? <laughs> No. This is the Vengeance Factor. Vengeance. Oh, yeah. The Vengeance Factor. Everybody's favorite episode of Star Trek. Just kidding. This aired November 20th, 1989. And Blame It on the Rain by Millie Vanilli. Search the top U.S. radio spot. Oh, my God. Everyone, buckle up because Blame It on the Rain by Millie Vanilli is a hit that I don't mind playing as soon as I can find it. Uh, I found it, guys. I found it. He found it. This is exciting. Can't wait to hear Blame It on the Rain. Did they ever establish who did 
do these voices? Yeah, and those guys toured, I think. Oh, they did. The real Millie Vanilli. Were they horrible looking? No, they were just like old, older um, guys, just like old uh, R and B singers. I assume they didn't move the needle. Um, Anyway, in the UK, it was All Around the World by Lisa Stansfield. Daddy by Daniel Steele was a bestseller. Harlem Nights led the holiday slate at the box office. Huge missed opportunity, Harlem Nights. I'm a giant Eddie Murphy fan. Great concept. Terrible movie. Two Boston University doctoral candidates presented a paper suggesting Disneyland's allure went beyond mere marketing and was a modern pilgrimage site for a generation raised on Disney films. The cost of admission was $23.50. Here's one for you, Matt. NBC aired Cheers Season 8, Episode 9, Two Girls for Every Boyd. CBS. Woody Boyd. CBS docu uh, drama. I think this is uh, Matthew Kirk is responding to my request of, hey, maybe tell us what was going on on TV that week. CBS docu drama Rescue 911, hosted by William Shatner, yeah. bumped into the schedule in favor of the second half of Judith Prance's Till We Meet Again miniseries. Um, PCs featuring the brand new Intel 486 processor. Oh, shit. I remember the 486. Replacing the 386. It was an exciting time. I asked my dad for a 486 PC, and I think I we eventually got one. Time magazines. Uh, so you didn't have. You weren't an Apple guy back then. No, I mean we were in the schools because they were in the schools. My dad worked for Hewlett Packard, so we were oh PC people. Interesting background on Matt Myra. Time magazines cover featured East and West Germans together atop a recently toppled Berlin Wall's uh, caption "Freedom." That is it. Well done. Mm. This is for that guy. <laughs> Doesn't like it. Doesn't want to know what was culturally happening at the time of this episode. Aired. Don't mess with Matt Myra. I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to know what song was number one back then. Other people have expressed. I just want to like paint a picture for everybody of like what was happening in the world, so we know what we're expecting out of these episodes. Look, I'm happy to give the audience whatever it is that uh, they want. You're saying the, uh, the other people don't like that part of the story. There was one other lady that said that she thought it might be ruining our flow. Uh, generally speaking, no one else has complained about it. The, the, no. <laughs> Matt has a very strong opinion about no. this, this day in Trek. Uh, so it's time to read the plot uh, from the wonderful uh, episode of The Vengeance Factor. I don't know why I called it wonderful. Directed by Timothy Bond. And written by Sam Rolfe. This is from Larry Nemechek's Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. The Enterprise traces an attack on the Federation Science Outpost of Akamar 3. There, Picard discovers uh, responsibility for the attack lies with the Gatherers, a thieving band of renegades who split off from the Akamarian society a hundred years ago. The captain decides to bring an end to the raids by healing the split between the two groups. Maruk, Akamar's leader, agrees to offer amnesty to the renegades. Brull, the first gatherer chief they encounter, admits a yen for peace himself. Unknown to all, Yuda, the chief taster of Maruk, is <laughs> actually an assassin who's been cellularly altered to live for centuries. Her only that purpose. Together. That's kind of a nice turnaround. That the, the, the person 
hired to see if the uh, the ambassador is going to be poisoned actually is an assassin herself. Her only purpose in life is to kill off members of the Lornak clan who massacred her own Trelesta clan. Oh, sounds like a yawn, folks. And you know what that means it's time for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the Matt yawning thing. Riker is attracted to Yuta, but puzzled by her sadness over her <laughs> inability to love. Thanks to Data and Dr. Crusher's research, he discovers that she murdered a among the Brolf's pack. I'm laughing at this plot. Uh, another one uh, 53 years ago, uh, among countless others, Brol leads Picard and Maruk to his chief, Chorgon. And final talks commence through though stormily. Just in time, Riker learns that Chorgon is the last Lornak. Uh-oh. And dramatically saves him from Sounds the Yuta. Like was another uh, by, by downing her with three... Uh, okay. Uh, phaser shots. The talks succeed in the two groups of Akamarians are reconciled. The peace is the last thing Riker feels. Well, there you go, everybody. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. <laughs> um... Name. Yeah. What? Name. I didn't uh, dislike it as much as you seem to. I'm not saying it's the best episode. Oh, I am. I am having a time with this episode. Uh, first of all, let's talk about this cold open. Okay. No captain's log. Seems like increasingly less captain's log openings at the cold open. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the, uh, in this, the in production this design in in both this planet and the previous planet, and then and the next planet that they go to. Yeah, a lot the, of space all the trash. Wreckage. Imagine all the prop houses they had to go rent from. Yeah, you got any space trash? We need space trash for this episode. Um, the green gels in this sure light this place. are insane. I enjoy it. I love. Wharf just throwing trash. My is gone. Is no about to happen. didn't answer our hail for two days. Nothing here to answer with. Commander, this is. I'm crazy. detecting life signs from behind that door. Wharf. Wharf, you're the second strongest person in here. Commander, go try to open that door. This. He's the chief of security, Andy. <laughs> is that why you want to open a it? door? You send the chief of security. <laughs> that is so. You are such a bitch right it now. It really feels like he's just setting Wharf up for the humiliation that then Wharf faces, Blood. which is, oh, I can't do it, yes, and then Dana sure. just does it. I'm gonna have to do some analysis on it. <laughs> <laughs> It can be done. What does he say? It's stuck. He said it's jammed. It's jammed. No one could open that. No one. And there are dead people in there. Dead. Dead. Injured. We don't know. That's true. It's the cold open ending. I agree. These people we've never seen before. Are sleeping? It's tepid. I agree with you on that. Maybe they're sleeping. Fair enough. Maybe it's, that's what it is. It's not. It doesn't really stick the landing. Doesn't really make me want to go. Oh boy, who did this? And they don't really set up enough about the station. Yeah. And the situation for us to be invested. So I agree with you on that. I mean, a, you know, 
a captain's log at the beginning. That is, why did they would just... Would be like... That's no extra budget. So helpful. As a matter of fact, it probably saves on budget. I wonder if it was an editing It'd issue. It would be like, the uh, Enterprise is investigating a uh, science station, blah, 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 which has not answered communications for two days. Yeah. I fear of what we may find. Beam yeah. down. That's... Hello. It writes itself. Jesus Christmas. With the help of Matt Myron. No captain's log again. We're back in this terrible sick bay. Yeah. I know it seems like we don't like this show. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> it's his favorite show. At the expense of all the other sci-fi space shows. Except for Sequest and Earth 2. Sequest is an ocean show. It's DSV, not a sci-fi space show. Deep sea vessel. The two scientists are suffering from phaser stuns. I'd guess several hits each. Several. It'll take us a while to bring them around, but they will recover. We found a sample of blood. It's a rare iron-copper composite, unique to one humanoid species, the Acamarians. Acamarians? And that would suggest the gatherers. It is a likely The nomadic marauders who refer to themselves as gatherers have raided other outposts in neighboring sectors. They've never come out this far before. Mr. Crozier, set course for the Akamar system. Aye, sir. I gotta say, the gatherers... Make me, old-timer. What? <laughs> Wesley? This episode is just about Wesley getting... What if Wesley got sick with some sort of disease that made him rebellious? That'd be a fun episode. Well, no, it wouldn't. It would be a bad episode. Naked, not naked It'd be a now. bad episode. What was the one where they all get drunk? He sort of turns into a... A rebellious little boy then. Oh, I don't want to be a rebellious little boy. I want to be a rebellious young officer. Right. Come on, Andy. I'm sorry. I Give mis- Wesley credit for his position on this ship. Idea that you were pitching. That has already been done. A handful of them. But with the Starfleet's help. Hunting them down is not what I am proposing. Reconciliation with the gatherers is impossible. It's been tried. Time we've offered amnesty, they've rejected it. When was the last attempt made? 18 years ago. Well, doesn't sound like you're trying very hard there, Ambassador. Moving from star system to star system, living on what they could find or steal. They're still your people. No. Captain, you have to understand our history. A hundred years ago, Before the gatherers split off from our culture, we were a savage, violent race. Clans battled clans, bloody, vengeful feuds that lasted for generations. But we overcame those ways, all except for the gatherers. After a century of wandering, they may be ready to come home. (laughs) She nailed it. it. She really nailed it there. Sure. Meanwhile... Uh, Ambassador Marouk is played by Nancy Ann Parsons, who uh, is most well-known as Coach Beulah Ballbricker in, uh, in the Porky's movies. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I thought she was great in this. I thought she was... I think That's she's the very first good. time I've seen her play a subtle character, and I thought she really had a lot of nuance, and uh, it was really a good job. Well, it's a credit to something... I don't know if it's the writing or the acting or what, but, you know, you're always like... E- e- e. They do a good the job casting. of hiding the ball. I feel like the... Ke- in uh, this episode. With her, yeah. Yeah. 
well, I think I, I mean, to me that's they do an the obvious problem. job of hiding the ball. I believe that they hide the ball a little <laughs> too hard, too well. What, 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 what? Which ball are you talking about? Who the who the who, who the who, who she the is? What she wants? Oh no, I'm saying the main the 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 ambassador, not the assassin. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who she wants? Who? No, what she wants? What the ambassador wants? Yeah, because like they're playing it like. Oh, maybe she actually wants to kill everybody. Oh, I see. And her... So you're saying the first ball. There are several balls. That... Yes. There's yes. a lot of balls rolling around here. <laughs> okay. Some of them not as obvious as others. I'll tell you which ball is not hidden. Uh-huh. Riker's lust for life. It's not hitting? It's not hidden. Hidden. Oh, no. That is crazy town. Good, chef. Yes. I'll prepare all meals for the sovereign and her servants. Well, we can provide you with a kitchen, but it won't really be necessary. These food dispensers can synthesize anything that you may need. I'll show you. Sovereign, may I offer you a drink? Yes, thank you. Cold water. Computer. Glass of water, five degrees. He knows the temperature water should be. Do you think it just assumed he was talking Fahrenheit? Oh, good question. (laughs) I mean, granted, if he wasn't talking... I mean, I don't know. I'm just... Because I guess he's talking Celsius because it would come out ice if it was five degrees. I assume the AI in the future. Five degrees Fahrenheit would be a block of ice. So it's five degrees Celsius. Uh Uh-huh. So the ship just takes its Celsius. I guess that makes sense. They're all running on the... They're all running on the metric system there. Uh, they're always like, talking about meters per second, etc. Right. I feel like the uh, also they just probably the 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 AI in the future is strong enough that it's like no, oh, it's Riker. He knows. He, he, Please. He, he knows what Riker wants in its wa- in his water. You're also the food taster. That's part of the cook's duties. I've brought you this water. I hope you like it. I'm sure the Sovereign will wish to sample many of the cuisines your ship has to offer, but there are some Akmerian dishes that she will insist upon. I will arrange for a technician to help program your recipes into the computer. Of course, I'll have to try some of them. What's your specialty? Smooth motherfucker. I have none. Don't be modest. You can't tell me that you haven't come up with a few culinary delights. There is a spiced Parthus dish. Parthus? A green vegetable with fleshy roots. Parthus, a la yuta. I look forward to tasting it. Sovereign. Chef. So, to the TNG writers at the time, I can't wait to ask Melinda Snodgrass about this stuff. Do, do they think that the most seductive way for men to seduce women was like looking at them like wolves licking their chops or like in the case with Rawl like just creepily staring super hard at them but maybe on the director more than valid or you could even maybe put it on Mr. Frakes it's uh you know he by that point might have had the power to just go I'm gonna play I know what Riker would do and maybe he's right <laughs> maybe that is what Riker would do but then I feel like the writer should have under under underlined that he was maybe being a weirdo. <laughs> um, when Riker heads for um, turbo lifts from the bridge, uh-huh. he always comes very close to tripping. 
because he walks over the horseshoe in a very dangerous manner. Like he just he just he it's not just a great it. design ergonomically. I will say that. Well, the you horseshoe know, is right in the way. I do of like when people jump over the horseshoe. <laughs> you see that occasionally. Sure, I remember Worf did it once to go after Q. I think. Ah, uh, Worf the, is the king of jumping over that horseshoe. Right. Worf, we're going to the store. Worf seems a little confused at that moment. Uh, this scene with the gatherers ambushing, I enjoyed. You know? Deal. Commander. The ambush. He does. He does. He does actually sniff the ambush out. Worf does. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's a great little detail. A lot of phasers going off here, guys. I love a phaser fight. Rifle, sir. Not particularly powerful. Powerful enough. What was an action show? We came to talk! This probably blew most of their budget. I like the effects. Your words are wasted, Commander. They go kind of purple before the the orange comes out. We're here to establish a dialogue, Worf. Data, tell me about Neranium. It vaporizes at... 2,314 degrees, sir. Of course, Neranium carbon... Thank you, Data. Setting 7 order to it. They're doing this to create a smoke screen. Three, yeah. two, one. Now! I guess it's a clever thing, but shouldn't they just be able to do that if they need to do that? Have kind of like a Batman Enterprise. utility belt. And yet, this time, no one hears their Enterprise Ford to beam up. Collins! It's not like he can mute the communicator. I don't know how he gets around not being beamed up. Oh, interesting question. Oh, I I interpreted it as it was a little bit of a site to site transport. Would be more successful oh, I disagree. More often. We brought the sovereign of Akamar. So you think they just Baruch? hid here with an offer of amnesty? These are all like the um, what you might call it the the. the Remember the handsome guy played right. by the Rocketeer? Yeah, the the rogues. Yeah. Like this Billy is, Campbell. This is all just like... Yeah, they're all guys like that. Except a little bit more uncouth. Yeah, with longer hair. I gotta say, my feeling about how they are presented, and I feel like it's an ongoing thing for TNG, is there's this ongoing portrayal of like... A culture split between an oppressed underclass and a rich overclass. Guys, we have big news. Andy has resorted to wearing a bracelet of some sort. We gotta hear about it. Where did it come from? It came from Tulum, guys. Did you donate some money to someone and it was given to you by a child? Uh, no, the 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 the, the fancy hotel that I was in gave it to me. 
Oh, boy. There's no honorable story attached to this oh. bracelet. Kind of hoping there was. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> tell us more about these barbarians, Andy. Anyway, there's an ongoing portrayal of a culture split into the oppressed underclass and the rich overclass. And uh, it always kind of strikes me that, uh, that TNG always presents the rich as kind of these intellectual, very thoughtful people, even if they're a little bit corrupt. And the, the poor people as just like these primitive adult children that are either crazily emotional or, you know, or, or uncouth and dirty and gross. It's just kind of a weird classist strain that I think appears in this well it's in this series it's the 80s you know yuppies were in Uh poor people were out Uh and you're saying the show was written by yuppies it was written by television writers (laughs) rich television writers yes fair enough barbarians this is futile they probably none of them probably went to a state school uh-huh. They were probably all like, hey, Ivy League, you? Me too, buddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we order from Lucy's again? Does anyone want some Coke? I have the giant Coke bowl. <laughs> Bro. Go home, old woman. You people haven't changed in a hundred years. You should know. You were there. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> we're poor. <laughs> Please. <A little> coughing. <laughs> now we're here to talk. It's a waste of time, Captain. They don't care about how they live. Am I supposed to believe that you care how we live? Yes. She's here, isn't she? Maybe you forced her to come, Picard. Nobody forces me anywhere, bro. What is there for us on Akamar 3? A life. A home. You can end your wanderings. Your miserable existence. <laughs> Do I look miserable to you? <laughs> <laughs> Not that funny. I don't know why everyone thinks it's hilarious. Any insights? Rule's ready to negotiate. (laughs) (laughs) Anything less obvious, Counselor? Wants privacy so that he won't appear weak in front of the other gatherers. It's one of the most useless things she's ever said amongst a million useless things. He's, um... Troy has no empathic abilities. And, and Riker is just being polite because he cares about her. This is when Yuda, pretty Yuda, follows the guy out, right? Oh, yeah. You are the clan Lornak. What of it? No. Look closer. I am Utah of the Clan Trelesta. Oh. 
Heart attack. Judge of these matters. Milan, you'll be in charge while I'm gone. If I'm not back in 10 days, I'll... Am I back in 10 days? Then what? Milan's never gonna know. Away team to Enterprise. Medical emergency. Volnath was an old man. There's nothing to be done. So FYI, yes, Volnath, not was, that old. Uh, no, he was old. He was very old. He was born in 1910, uh -huh. and uh, he was played by Mark Lawrence, uh -huh. who had an endless series of impressive credits. He was in Charlie Chan movies, even Abbott and Costello movies. He was in Public Enemies, This Gun Fryer, The Oxbow Incident, Bonanza. So it's just so interesting to me that he played this one-off. Really an under five, and then he gets killed. He was in Foul Play. Uh, I knew him from as the villain in Super Fuzz, this weirdo, I gotta assume foreign-made film in in the early 80s about a superhero. Totally weird movie. And uh, he was in two James Bond films, buddy. Which ones? Diamonds Are Forever. Mm -hmm. And The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, he's the gangster. He's Rodney in The Man with the Golden Gun. I don't know who he was in Diamonds Are Forever. He, uh, he's, um, I think he's the guy that says, we didn't know there was a pool down there. That sounds right. I think he's that guy. <laughs> sounds like him. Um, anyway, that was it. Well, oh, and Yuda. Oh, boy. Pretty Yuda. Uh, you um, can just say Yuda. She's a human being, Andy. Very pretty. And you know what? She's she an Akamarian, actually. She's not even a human. Uh, that's true. Um, played by Lisa Wilcox, her only uh, major claim to fame is Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I feel like she was Dream really good in this. I feel like she had a tough part, and it was very alien-like and uh, focused. I thought she did a really good job. Um, and I felt bad that, uh, that Lisa Wilcox didn't go on to more of a career after this. What if she wanted to not go on to a career and raise children? I think she hung around or, as an actress, so I don't think that's true. Or she just wanted to like live a life. What if she weaves baskets in Sedona, Arizona now? I don't think that's true. Happily. I think she she was in parts till I think she on. happily she just struck it rich. I think she happily <laughs> weaves up. baskets in Sedona, Arizona. You know, I want nothing more for Lisa Wilcox than to have become a grounded person who appreciated the simpler pleasures of life. But I don't know that that's true based wow. on her credits, which go into the 2000s. She probably lonelyly, lonely wanders the galaxy now looking for the last of that clan. Wait, are you talking about Yuda or are you talking about Lisa Wilcox? <laughs> Same person as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> wow, you really sucked into the reality of the show. Troy does some, I mean not oh, Troy, no. sorry. Crusher does some classic Tell Crusher doctoring here. He's been dead too long. Uh-huh. Oh. Cardiac arrest? I think. You don't sound convinced. That's what the machine says. I don't says. really know. He died of a heart attack, all right. Because the machine but says I can't so. can't find the cause. <laughs> His cardiac muscle is strong, and there's no sign of arterial occlusion. I made those words up. I saw arterial occlusion on some word-a-day toilet paper this morning. Whoa. Enterprise is off. Bro, will you show Mr. Crusher the course to set to the Hiromi cluster? <laughs> A child? 
He later says that he has This is a, our present position. He later says what? He is a boy Wesley's age. He doesn't seem old enough to have a boy Wesley's age. I disagree. I think he looks just about as old as Beverly Crusher. Huh, fair enough. Who has a boy Wesley's age. Sure. But Wesley Crusher... But Beverly uh, Crusher... You'd looks- only have to be, what, 36 to have a boy 16 years old? Mm, you've proven me wrong. <laughs> You don't think he looks 36? You think he looks much younger than that? He definitely does not. (laughs) Set a heading for 343 Mark 72. That's going to take us to the center of an asteroid belt. Hey, what's the matter, kid? Can't you fly yourself around a couple of rocks? (laughs) Sure I can, but if we take this heading, we can avoid the belt completely... And only lose 12.1 minutes at warp 7. Have it your way, kid. It's a strange moment. It is because Wesley doesn't know what he's navigating to. That's what I was So confused. how could he possibly have this route around the asteroid belt? Right. So you could also, go this way what to if get he to did warp thing. 9 to the belt, went around the belt, and then did warp 7? probably get there in less time than the 12.1 minutes he's saving. Well, this, of course, raises the eternal question of why don't they always go at warp 9? But, um... Well, you know, you don't want to move. You don't want to burn through the, the lithium. My planet well, that was doesn't chaos. answer your question? Or the deuterium? Loyalty to one's clan was absolute. The slightest injury to one member demanded violent retaliation. And these blood feuds could last for decades. The obsession with vengeance would be passed from generation to generation. And with each act of retribution, the violence would escalate. There you go. Children. You have children? Yeah. Two sons. One's just about your age. And he doesn't believe you. (laughs) The other one's 38. (laughs) not any good at math <laughs> I'm not sure what this what is that relationship about in, for the purpose of this plot see humanity in these barbarians uh-huh uh-huh that's it all right meanwhile Yuda drops down some green root <laughs> Parthos a la Utah with the help of one of your food stations this I find a fascinating dynamic. So he's eating with it's Troy. Wonderful. Truly excellent. The girl seems Thank uncomfortable. You. Would you care to join us? I don't want to intrude. Troy gives Riker a look like, <laughs> I know what's going on here. She's an empath. Of course she knows he wants oh, to I get to the bone true. zone. Yeah, right. And then she gets up. So is that not uncomfortable for Troy? They are past that, Andy. They've said it many times. They've also said many times how much they care about each other, and it always seems like there's a thing going they on. They want each other to be happy. They're not getting in front. They're, neither of them are going to prevent the other one from entering the neutral zone. Even if they are avoiding... Is it the bone zone or the neutral zone? I've decided it's now the neutral zone. Wait, what was the thing we called the strike zone? The strike zone. <laughs> um, what? Uh, I guess my question is... What, what isn't isn't it difficult? For I mean, if you got an ex on board, even if you're like, okay, we're friends now, yeah, isn't it a little tough to be feeling them feel lust for other people? 
No. No, you're that evolved that if there's you have got an X and you have to experience that X. Uh, we're at, wanting we're, to get first into of the all, strike zone. We are X's for a reason. It obviously didn't work out. Yeah, well, so what's it, the point? It might not have been because of uh, an attraction or a, or a, Andy. Know. I have a, I have an evolved relationship with all of my exes. So is that really true? Yeah, all of them. Yeah. So it's like, what's the? It's I mean, very I impressive. I'm I'm happy to help them get to the strike zone if we're in ten forward together. Wow, you would help them, wouldn't you? It depended. Are who you it was. friendly with them? It would depend. If you're friends with them, then you do what a friend should do. I don't know. Or what like they want. Uh huh. I guess I would really have to have have really fully progressed into the point where there's no no uh, weird. Do you have weird? Energy. Do you have weird feelings for people still, Andy? Sometimes. I think you got to get over that, buddy. <laughs> this is a bunch of crap. You don't know what is you're this evolved? I don't buy it. <laughs> I question the whole thing. I don't. Of course you don't. It's you. Sit down. Some of them I would. I just don't know that I would say all of them. Uh, well, out of spite because you don't enjoy the them. No, not beings. out of spite because I, you know, it's just Do sort you still of like feelings. You I can that wish out. them Let's well. Talk about that at therapy. I can wish them well, but that doesn't mean I want to actually emotionally experience them. Want experience them wanting other people. That might be difficult to why you're both to swallow. On. You and your Amzadi have moved on. Uh huh. You're now serving happily together on the bridge of the Enterprise. Eh, maybe you're right now that I'm thinking about it. I guess. I guess most of the people I wouldn't care about. I mean, you're just you're 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 two weeks out from your Imzadi getting it on with a weirdo that you had to negotiate against. I guess I feel like they don't present Riker and Troy as really fully being over each other. They're always making eyes at each other. When she was about to go off with that weirdo with the plague thing, you remember he was like it was the whole episode was spent on the other guy, and he was gonna he was in love with the girl he had drawn a million times, and then at the end he went off. Oh, but she was gonna get married to her marriage. Yeah, yeah. Um, was it a marriage thing? Wasn't yeah. it? Wasn't it? A, no, they, no. They, they, I think oh, he no, was. He yes. was supposed to marry Troy. Yeah, right. Um, and then Riker was all bent out of shape in that episode, and, to, and setting up a weird romantic, you know. You know, ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. All I'm saying is it's weird that it's suddenly a different uh, tone. That's all. I think this is pretty much their tone. Well, not in the episode I'm talking about. They go back and forth, you know? Sometimes they're like, hey, yeah, ooh, ah. And then sometimes they're like, did you nail that guy? Nice. Or at least delicious. I'm glad it pleases you, Commander. I'm not your commander. My name is William. I will call you William if you prefer. I do. When you say commander, you say it like you say sovereign to Maruk. As a servant. You're an excellent commander, but you'd make a poor sovereign. Why's that? Not that I disagree. You're not comfortable with servants. No, I prefer the company of equals. So you treat me as an Naked equal. equals. And you're not comfortable well, that's for sure. He wants everyone to be naked. I'm not used to it. I've always been a servant. Not that I'm complaining. The sovereign treats me well. I have all that I could want. What about freedom? I can never have that. Because you're the property of the sovereign. 
No. I'm not her slave. I can leave whenever I wish. But you have no place to go. Just the opposite. My path is all too clear. Yuta, you're an excellent chef. But you speak in riddles. Kind of shocking that she was not discovered for 53 years, dropping this many hints that she had a mission. I have to stick with the ambassador because I'm going to do something to someone. I believe the Sovereign wants me to return. Enjoy the Parthus. All right. Now go for we some go Parthus. to Dr. Wesley Micro Crusher. Hey, Chef uh, Ben, I did think I call her is? Dr. Wesley Crusher? <laughs> I definitely did. <laughs> I definitely you are did. very tired. Oh, Chef Beverly. Ben, make us a Parthus. Who's Chef Ben? You've now just hired a new chef on the well, Enterprise? He's a guy who writes in and has commented on, he commented oh, on Riker's A. I thought so, you were being Riker. No. Talking to someone you had now dubbed on the crew that was Chef Ben. No. Which I was into. I was clearly not doing a Riker voice. Oh, what would that be like, Andy? Hello, how's everyone doing? I'm Commander Riker. <laughs> Riker voice, terrible. Riker impression. Your Riker voice is Bob Odenkirk's uh, Bob Evans voice. But here's the really interesting part. I'm a doctor. This I'm supposed to help people. To cells with a very specific DNA sequence. How specific? Without knowing more about their genetic makeup, I can't be sure. But my guess is this virus would only kill one Akamarian in a million. Pretty single-minded bug. Too single-minded. I can't believe it's a naturally occurring virus. Meaning someone engineered it? Meaning Volnath was murdered. Oh boy, now we have an investigation! Now what act is this? Uh... Four, probably? Mm-hmm. It's just a long way in for this to start. Oh, for the murder mystery to start? Yeah. What do you think of uh, Lazy Riker just hanging out tired from the day? I enjoy that. <sighs> Commander Riker, Akamar 3 has agreed to request for access to their databases. They are now being transmitted into our computer over subspace link. Good. Notify Dr. Crusher when Akamar's medical database is online. Riker out. Ooh. I'm trying to lie here uncomfortably in this weird chair. And think about a murder. Come in. Look at that. I'm look at that you. that pothead's pic- poster of a of, of space on his wall. <laughs> As Sovereign has no further need for my services this evening. She suggested I might spend some time with you. What a charming suggestion. Computer, send roses to the Sovereign. Affection, (laughs) you've shown me. Five degrees. Isn't that obvious? Yes. Well, they're both so obvious. He... Maybe you know is attracted to her, and she murders a specific line of Akmarians. <laughs> That's how obvious they are around That's each other. Does that not please you? Now, this is a weird moment. What? What is? Not the kiss. Uh-huh. Tell me what you want, William. I will do anything you wish. Wait a minute. Anything? <laughs> I don't understand. 
Could you? Don't you want me to give you pleasure? Prank communicate with Captain Picard? That's really. <laughs> Hang on a second. I have the script I've been working on for a little while. Here's what you say to him. I want to get into a threesome <laughs> with Captain servant. Picard. So the only way I can do it is if someone. <laughs> I almost had it with this hologram <laughs> character. And then there was just a bunch of other stuff that happened. What if we started to get into it, you, me, and the captain, and you suddenly had an emergency? (laughs) For equals. Even in the matters of love? Especially in matters of love. I've offended you. Riker likes to be dominated. No, I only want to make you as happy as you want to make me. You're entitled to that. Here's the moment. Mm. No. I'm not. Oh, Utah. I do not feel pleasure or passion. I haven't been able to for a long time. Okay, so is yeah. it because they did the longevity stuff on her that she can't feel pleasure or passion? Or is it emotionally? What's the thing? I don't know. You're asking the wrong Akhmarian. Okay, well, that's that's a thing that's that, not uh, answered in this episode, that's for sure. <laughs> wrong, are you Akhmarian? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you're asking the are wrong Are you here to get vengeance on me? Uh, I gotta go. Andy, can I touch your face? No! <laughs> Um, <laughs> he died of a heart attack, which is normal because yeah, he clearly <laughs> had a very weak heart muscle. That, that would have happened. That's definitely happening anyway. Uh, um, it's the perfect way to kill Andy. They'll never know. <laughs> yeah, everyone will just go, yeah, I've seen him eat. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I don't. I, that to me feels like she's saying there's a physical reason why she can't. Enjoy pleasure or pain. Well, maybe that was part of the thing. That's what I'm wondering. You know, maybe her clan also doesn't. I would like to. You never know. I don't think that's it. Do you want to get to the bottom of this? Sure. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious. I don't know who did this to you or why, but it can change. He's saying it's emotional. I wish it could. He thinks it is. Well, what else is he going to go for? You tonight, know? most of all. Why do you wish it could tonight? That so that that's to saying me that says she, that she wo- she, she does want has pleasure. She, right. I don't understand it either. Is this what I'm saying? It's Maybe he, he just needs to serenade her with the old bone. I was wondering why he wasn't playing the bone at the top of the scene. He forgot it in his dressing room. He is not moving fast enough. Like the way he walks out of the, he just saunters out. He does. He just he can't saunters break his out. cool. Like it's Riker like walk. You're, 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 Most of all, the ship's under attack, and he just the I'm way sorry. he leaves this room is yeah. crazy to me. I'm gonna hold your head next to my pips. <laughs> oh, damn it! Like he should right, be going we're under on fire. The uh, I'll see I'm you later. Gonna... Walk, Coolly walk, saunter walk, out. Walk, walk, walk. <laughs> also, does he not have anything of you know, uh, secu- of high security war, risk in his uh, quarters that he's leaving her in there? Probably not. Shield holding. Mr. Wolf, contact Shogun. Tell him Brawl has brought us to talk. Chorgun is not responding. Mr. Wolf, 
we knock out their shields without seriously damaging their ship? I believe we can, sir. Prepare phasers and open a channel. Phasers locked, channel open. Jorgen, this is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Enterprise. Focus their attention. Mr. Wolf, fire phasers. A lot of effect shots in this episode. Yeah. Their forward shields are inoperative. Well done, Lieutenant. Wolf did something right. We are being hailed, sir. That's better. On screen. Rule! You traitor! You have led them here to destroy me! Chogan, if I had wanted you destroyed, you would not be talking to me now. Obviously, I wanted something else. And what is that? I have on board Sovereign Maruk of Akamar Three. I want you to hear what she and Brol have to say. She's worth listening to. I don't wish to listen to either of you. You have no choice. Prepare to receive us. We are beaming on board. The card out. <laughs> like, look at sadness on his face. The angle of that shot where he's talking to Riker I mean to to Chorgan yeah and like they go to that weird angle where they're looking up at the view screen uh-huh. but like the view screen he's also at that angle and then when we come back to a front facing shot of the view screen he's looking directly at the view screen like how did the how did the uh, ship make the decision <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, I'm gonna go to an extreme close up on this I'm gonna go a little bit to the right <laughs> Tell Sovereign Maruk to meet me in Transporter 3. Aye, sir. Do you mean Transporter Room 3, sir, or just the third Transporter? That's an interesting Very question. specific. What's happening? Oh, Bo's active. Bone Captain. The danger is minimal. Oh, speaking of active, Bo. is unlikely to do anything rash Hi, buddy. the Enterprise's phases trained on his ship. There are still risks. For these negotiations to succeed, I must be a mediator. Not an enforcer. You have the bridge, number one. I love that tap on the shoulder. Little go get him, you know? Sure. It's the right thing, not just for you, but for us, too. We need you back. I've brought some Akamarian brandy. I'm sure it's been a long time. Thank you go for some Akamarian candy. You have spent a century hunting us down. She is trying to put an end to all that. Yes, and luring us back and putting us in prison. No, by accepting you back as free men. Will you feed us and clothe us too? No, of course I won't. What I will do is give you the means to feed and clothe yourself. We've set aside... They cut to a shot of Picard going like, oh, sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> right? Good offer. Land, and you can use it. You should totally go for that. Land! <laughs> Akamarian database is a birth record. Probably one of the last of the gatherers to be born on their planet. Commander, I've been digging through the medical database from Akamar 3 for hours, and I have found another victim of the same microvirus that killed Volneth. But only one. 53 years ago, a gatherer named Penthor Mull. Data? Anything in your file on Penthor Mull? Yes, sir. He was a member of the Lornak clan. He was captured while leading a gatherer raid 
on an Akamarian outpost. He died of a heart attack before his trial ended. Display Volnov's birth record again. Mm. Lornak, the same clan. The only two recorded deaths by this microvirus, both from the same clan. What does that tell us, Doctor? I feel like all this just if takes too long to play. I agree. I'm interested in the mystery. Family. I think it's cool that they discover that Yuda is 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 really old and and froze her age somehow. I just feel like everything in this episode takes too long to happen. And frankly, I think the most interesting thing is Yuda and her obsession with vengeance, and that that was the main reason she was given this immortality. And how it ties into these clans' inability to move forward. Well, that's the vengeance factor. That is the vengeance factor, but I feel like it's not enough made the central thematic driving force of the plot. Well, it seems like they've, everyone has moved on from this except for her. Yeah, so then we should either spend more time on the person who hasn't moved on from it, uh, or we should have her successfully suck everybody back into the vengeance factor. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Chorgan, the present leader of the Gatherers, is also from the Lornak clan. I want to know how this clan was involved with the Akamarian blood feuds, and I'd like to know any clue as to who their enemies were. How could this virus have been transmitted, Doctor? More ways than I can count. Have I told you I can't count? <laughs> and it's perfectly safe to the carrier as long as he doesn't have the same DNA patterns. Tailor made for their enemies. Commander. Eighty years ago, the Lornax massacred a rival clan, the Trelestas. It ended a feud that had lasted for 200 years. Ended it. According to these records, there were no survivors. The Trelestas were annihilated. Something tells me they weren't all wiped out. There must be a missing link here. Computer, any members of the Akamarian delegation from the Trelesta clan? Clan affiliation is not within provided records. Sir... I believe I have found a correlation between the two deaths. Now, this is when they look at a corner of a picture. Your missing link. Mm-hmm. And they pull the old CSI Miami. That how is would, Panthar Mull being how would the trial. computer be able to... Well, I think at this point Behind the computer is very sir. good at this kind of thing because computer, of the holodeck. Oh, an ear. This is what the face looks like. Well, you know, you've got 30% of the face. Well, that is also why it's like, Riker should probably know who it is even without You know, like, the nose isn't, like, going to be that big. Otherwise, you'd see it in this portion of the face, right? So they go, oh, let's make the nose there. I feel like the face is, there's either enough of the face that Riker... Yeah, I think that's still pretty good. That's still pretty not, you can't tell what it is. How do you know the nose isn't big, though? Because it would be out to here. Like, uh-huh. oh, Well, then how nose. come you don't, you don't know she doesn't have, the like, a weird can mouth? extrapolate and reconstruct the rest of the face, sir. Or a pointy chin. She changed her hair. photograph was taken over 50 years ago. 50 years ago, she had a different hairstyle. Look at how handsome Riker looks in that shot. So silver, uh, silver blue eyes he's got there, you know? She does too. Can you imagine what their children look like? Mm, yes. They both have blue eyes. <laughs> Doesn't Janie Francis have blue eyes? Who's Jamie Francis? Jeannie Francis, his wife. Oh. 
Should we look at what their children look like? Is this a weird... It is a weird expression. <laughs> Don't move! A Federation trap! Chogan, I assure you, my first officer has a very good reason for his actions. So, Riker like, beams down. You do, number one. I love that there's that question. It's just Wait, like, sure. you didn't just beam into this and shoot somebody for no reason, did you, Riker? Kind of negotiating <laughs> something <laughs> here. Penthar Maul. How do you know Penthar Maul? Tell him, Yuta. I don't understand. You were with Penthar Maul when he died. It was 50 years ago. How could I... I know, Yuta. Stop. Chorga, keep perfectly still. Your really? life is in danger. Step back, Yuta. William, this is not your concern. It is now. You're about to commit a murder. It isn't murder! It's justice! Who are you? Yuta of the Clan Trelesta. That should have been all he needed to go. Uh, <laughs> Chief O'Brien, beam her directly to the brig. Yeah. Instead, I guess maybe he decides. Maybe to because kill all she her. really needs to do is 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 throw the drink in his face. Maybe he's just afraid she's gonna get some of it on him if she starts to be. There are no more. Ooh, here, there's a question. If somebody starts to be beamed, yeah, and then they throw a drink in that action, yeah, does the drink fly out of the beaming? Like, you mean when you get to the transporter room, does it go all over O'Brien? Or yes. I guess I'm saying, does it beam the liquid that's flying out of the glass? Or does the does, does the person go and the glass go, but the liquid actually stays on that site? I think it all comes. Uh-huh. Five survived the last Lornak raid. But on that day, a century ago, my life ended and my search began. I was the one chosen, transformed. My cells were altered. My aging slowed. I can no longer experience Enough to pain finish or my task. Orgasm. You used me in order to get to the last few you couldn't reach. Yes, Sovereign. You will never leave this ship alive. You're the last. Once you're dead, what happens to me doesn't matter. The wars are over, you. You cannot understand. You're right, I can't. Because I've seen the part of you that regrets what you've become. Listen to me. You don't have to do this anymore. Just really good performance by this lady. I have no choice. You do. William, I... I'm sorry. Stop! Smells like he shoots her right in the now abdomen. Now fucking beam her up to the brig. Yeah, that 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 should, that should happen at that point. <laughs> also, the other question I had is, how come he now did- he's up to the full phaser? He's just gonna vaporize her. Can't he just keep hitting her until she's stunned? This is what I didn't understand. Why does he have to vaporize her? Maybe it's herself. Well, he doesn't. Obviously, we've just laid out a couple of ways in which he doesn't have to do that. So he wanted to kill her. <laughs> I feel like. Is that what the subtext is? That's why Picard's like, oh boy. Was he doing this to impress Picard? 
I think he was doing it to impress uh, the sovereign. Commander, I am in your debt. Now they should I start. don't want to talk about it. I also play the trombone. What? <laughs> and they became best friends? <laughs> it was like Chewbacca and Han Solo at that Jordan point? Jordan and Riker. <laughs> coming this fall. Uh, Is he drinking water to honor her? Who knows? Six degrees. Nothing, thank you. Rendezvous with the Goddard has been postponed. This scene is... In the meantime. Baffling to me. Starbase 343. We've got to take on medical supplies for the Alpha Leonis system. Sounds pretty routine. Well, with the gatherer truce in effect, it certainly should be. We won't require a full ship's complement. I'm going to extend shore leave on the Starbase to anyone who wants it. I'll pass that along to the crew, Captain. So, I kind of, I think, I kind of like that there's a subtlety of Picard's trying to do the only thing that he can think to do to make Riker feel better, but he doesn't know what to do. I just would have liked a little bit more dialogue speaking to that effect. Mm-hmm. Because it ends with Riker having just just vaporized this lady for questionable reasons, frankly. And then, okay, he feels bad, and then you have this scene, you're going to slot in the scene with Picard to handle the emotions. And I kind of feel like they don't handle anything. And I, I'm fine with it being subtle, but I just would have liked Picard's intentions to be a little clearer in that last scene. Because it's just sort of like... He tries to help him, and then Riker's kind of like, yeah, I'll tell everybody else. That'll make him feel real great. And Picard's just kind of like, all right, well, I tried to do everything I could. And he walks away. I think <laughs> I think Riker knows. It's for him. No, I know. It's his shore leave. I understand. Sure. Andy, I've been meaning to tell you, uh, we don't need a full complement of hosts for next week's episode. <gasps> so uh, just let everyone know I'm extending shore leave to... Uh, to the to the crew, I'll anyone, alert anyone who wants it. I'll alert the bow. Do you think anyone takes it or doesn't take? Do you think anyone's like, man, I can't take it, man? I'm over there watching me like a hawk. I can't take this free shore leave. Oh, so you think it's it's like one of those passive aggressive things? Like, you can take shore leave. We might promote somebody else while you're. Uh huh. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, Andy, buddy, it's time to do all the things that we do when the show's over. All right. It's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? Gotta fill the time with something, at least until season three. Obviously, we are on season three. Mm-hmm. So we're filling the time with the same thing we always do. Um, Jesus, I guess it's got to be Riker, right? I mean, yes. You can give it to, I mean, Data is the one who spots spots the girl. You're getting too specific. It's all about teamwork here. And who leads a great team? And that's Commander Riker. Everybody. Crusher does, uh, does all that research. Yep. 
Um, she doesn't save anyone as usual. <laughs> um, and Riker, uh, you know, murders a person to uh, protect the, the diplomatic mission. <laughs> we can say uh, Worf. Worf, uh, he successfully knocks out the uh, the phasers. I mean, the uh, shields on the other ship. Who's most useful in the ambush? Uh. Who is most useful in the ambush? I guess Riker's the one who comes up with the thought of yeah. Uh, the yeah. All right, it's Riker all around. Way to go, William Riker! Full points from both of us. I feel like he's doing very well this season. He's really just come together as his own, you know, being. Yeah. Um. All right. Oh, sorry. This, this is my job. <laughs> some other method of ranking we're working on it kind of spaced out there for a second um i don't know what do you think matthew oh what i mean this episode is for me not that enjoyable i really don't have a great time watching it i'm often like all these like whenever they go to these planets with these rogues you know i I find these episodes to be not that uh, enjoyable rogue characters do feel ill-fitting in a star trek universe they feel like they're well they do to a point but they don't also like harry mudd never felt like that to me harry mudd always felt like yeah i like harry mudd but he's more comedic yes other than the new star trek series nice they they try um and uh that being said i just feel like uh there's not a ton in this episode that i that i that i that i love um so that being said i'm gonna have to give this a two two because it has some enjoyable performances so it goes up from a one to a two um, I feel the same. I feel uh, I do really like the thematic idea of vengeance because I'm I'm a very revenge driven person. I'm a very I, I believe in justice. I actually there's part of me that is disappointed that she doesn't kill the 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 last part of her mission. That other guy at the end. I kind of yeah. want her to succeed in her mission. She's been trying to do it for fifty three years. Wow. For God's sakes. Or more. Um, and uh, I think that the actors, um, both the one that plays Ambassador, you know, Beulah Ballbricker, is just really fine acting. And uh, Lisa, Lisa, what's her name? Lisa Wilcox, just wonderful performance. Uh, really adorable. Um, and uh, I enjoyed that too. So I'm going to give her two and a half. So, as far as I can tell, it has a half point extra from you because you find her adorable. That's pretty much accurate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to watch the trailer for next week's episode, The Defector, a favorite uh, episode of one of my the best men at my wedding, Joe McDonough. This is his favorite episode. Let's uh, take a gander at The Defector trailer. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Please, you must help me. An archenemy defects to the Enterprise. Got a traitor! I came to stop a war. But can he save them from a death trap? You're a spy, aren't you? Or will he lure them into a full-scale massacre? Shall we die together? Find out on Star Trek The Next Generation. Is that Tomalek again? No, that was not Tomalek. Oh, that was the defector. Oh, I see. 
Uh, there you go. Uh, the Defector. Everyone give it a watch for next week. Otherwise, we'll be back uh, next week. Pretty simple. <laughs> it's true. It's very direct. Thank you guys for joining us. If you would like to uh, email us, we're at sttncpod at gmail.com. Our Twitter is uh, at Star Trek TNC. And not enough people are calling in the show. Please call us. There were a couple of calls oh. tonight. Why are you, you don't want to play them because you don't like calls? Uh, no, I just ran out of time. Oh, interesting. Because I could feel your tension. I can play you one now. <laughs> nope. Thanks so much, Andy. Um, we'll get to those calls the next week. I love an audio hail. Um, and you can call us at our phone number. It's something Trek TNC. What is it? 816-TREK-TNC. 816-TREK-TNC. And the way that works, it's a Google Voice number. So don't worry. We're not going to pick up. No one answers the phone. It just goes straight to voicemail, and you can tell us what you want to tell us. That's right. We'll play it on the show when we have time, apparently. Oops. Classic Andy. Well, whatever. Um, we have all the time in the world. Okie dokie, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here everybody but Andy. I will not be hurt by this. Andy is hurt. Andy, who gives half points extra on ratings when someone is cute. I stand by my perspective. <laughs> I, I judge on a on a varying degree uh, on, on, on a bunch of different Is factors. anyone cute enough to get it up one full point? I would say Ensign Rowe probably would. <laughs> Those Ensign Row episodes are great. I'm really looking forward to them. Oh, hello. Is that this season? When does Ensign Row show up? Six. Oh, Jesus. Andy, you're supposed to say two to beam out. Don't be an (laughs) idiot. Two to beam out. (laughs) It's okay.